Today's show is sponsored by Sambucol. There's nothing more important than taking care of yourself. If you're not feeling your best, it's hard to be your best. Sambucol offers powerful immune support with nature's superfruit, black elderberry. My neighbor was the first person to tell me about black elderberry. She loves it so much that she even advertises elderberry on a sign in her front lawn. Nothing makes her feel better, she says. And Sambucol makes taking elderberry easy. I've been trying the elderberry gummies. They are extremely tasty. They almost taste like a dessert. I just add them to the vitamins that I take every morning. If you want to give it a try, you can get 15% off your order of $9.99 or more at sambucolusa.com. When you're there, use the promo code BITTERSWEET15. That's sambucol, spelled S-A-M-B-U-C-O-L, sambucolusa.com. And use the code BITTERSWEET15. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but I am joined by my two sisters, Dana Zoller and Sarah Call. And we are on Sister Fest 2022. If you're a longtime listener to this show, you have heard us on Sister Fest in the past. We try to get together every year at least once for a couple days and of course covid messed that up but this year we we are doing it we're in la los angeles california in the united states and we came here on a very specific mission which was not just to see each other but to do what dana it was your idea i'm gonna let you uh lay out the concept so as children we used to watch a movie called midnight madness And in short, this was five teams of college kids going around the city of L.A. at night doing a scavenger hunt to see who could figure out the clues and get to the finish line first. So there were many locations around the city of L.A. featured in the movie. So the idea was for Sister Fest this year that maybe we go to L.A. and we try to find as many of those places from the movie. And this movie is 40 years old as we could find and visit them and take our pictures there and just sort of have some fun together while we did this mission. Yes, as she said, the movie came out in 1980. We saw it not in that year, but a few years later, I guess, probably watched it with our cousins the first time, I feel, you know, rented it from a video store. And somehow it became kind of a cult classic in our family, where oftentimes if we were at a family reunion, the cousins would all watch it together again. And Dana... I would say especially fell in love with the movie and so it became kind of a habit if we were together at Dana's house we would watch this movie but you said to me that you watch this movie uh how many times a year would you guess I think minimum once a year but I also have children and so they've grown up watching it and I would say on average two times a year two to three times a year yeah so you're very familiar with these locations Sarah what do you want to add as far as how do you feel about Midnight Madness, or the fact that we came to L.A. not just to see each other, but to go on this quest. Well, I do love a good quest. And I like to get a little bit of props here that I was the one who introduced the movie to the family. Now, Dana watches it more often than me, but come on, props. (laughs) Good job, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Kate, Kate. I'm such a good addition to our lives. (laughs) So had I not brought it from camp 
to the cousin gathering, this would not be happening. Yes. No. So it's been great. I love this quest. It's been fun. Well, it's, we're going to kind of explore the bigger concept of going on a quest for a trip instead. And I mean, I guess to introduce that, I want to get into kind of the nitty gritty of what we've been doing. But I also, Sarah, you've been on multiple quests actually inspired by movies. Now, if you've listened in the past to this show, you might remember that Tiffany Parks, my co-host, in part moved to Rome because she fell in love with the movie A Room with a View. It wasn't that direct. She fell in love with that movie, then she fell in love with opera, then she studied opera, and blah, 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 and all, all the stories you already know. She ended up in Rome. But it's in a way, it's inspired by a movie. And, and Sarah, you have been inspired by movies multiple times to take trips. So tell me about that. That is true. My first quest was when I was 18 years old. I was, um, I'd say, obsessed. Obsessed is probably the right word with the movie Dances with Wolves and all things Plains and Native Americans. And so for my graduation from high school present, I was allowed to put together a week-long road trip with my father from Seattle to the locations from the Dances with Wolves movies that I wanted to see. So that particular trip was a blend of movie locations, uh, Native American history spots that might have been referenced or were closely tied, things like that. And what was that like? Was it a a thrill, a disappointment when you're actually in the locations? What's that feel like? That particular quest was everything I wanted it to be. Uh, I actually think I moved to Montana in part a few years later, probably, I guess, seven years later after that quest, because I loved the planes so much. So everything about it, even if the movie site was a disappointment or something, because it wasn't exactly how I pictured it, the actual trip itself was kind of life changing for me. And Dana, would you say that after this quest to find all the sites in the Midnight Madness movie that you will be moving to LA sometime soon, inspired by this quest? I will not be moving to LA LA anytime soon. Seeing the sites was really fun, and especially doing it with family. I think if I had just done it by myself, it wouldn't have had the same kind of delight. But driving around in LA... If anyone's ever done that, you'll know that it's that part is not a delight. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was fun to see the sights, and um, it was a perfect, perfect quest for a two to three day trip. Yeah, and what's interesting is, so we went to all these sites, like Dana said. the The movie is forty years old or so, and so the sites, some are not there anymore. The ones that are don't necessarily look the same. Or you can kind of see how they might be the right place. But we did come across a few places that were kind of dead on. Can you describe the the difference in how you felt in each location? Part of the fun of this task was even figuring out where these locations were. Lots of Googling and looking at fan pages and things like that. So then when you actually find them, you're like, oh, well, this part is different. And this part is the same. And oh, that looks exactly like it. So... One or two places looked exactly like what's in the movie, but most of them have changed, of course, as you would expect over 40 years that are painted different or the trees have gotten bigger or something's been refurbished. So it was still delightful to just find those locations and to be like, okay, you know, because the movie's based around a scavenger hunt. So the trip is kind of like a scavenger hunt to try to find these places. And we got t-shirts and sweatshirts, you know, just that kind of match the movie. And we were just making some fun out of it. So I, I, I thought it was fun. Uh, well, I would argue that we have also changed in 42 years and needed some refurbishing and maybe some painting and things. So it seems fair 
that the sites would need the same thing. (laughs) I mean, it is interesting, maybe this larger idea of having a mission in a place that you go, because we all like to travel and sometimes we just travel and wander about or sometimes we travel to Rome and it's like, well, I know when I'm in Rome, I want to go see the Sistine Chapel. That is my mission. But then there are these odder missions. And Dana, you were saying that like, because this mission is so odd, like we're literally going to places like a miniature golf course, a Pabst Blue Ribbon Brewery, the side of a street where two of the characters happened to hitchhike. Uh, We went to find the Mickey Mouse star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. These are very random locations and yet we've oriented our entire time around these kind of weird spots. What I find is interesting is that when people think of visiting LA on this trip, spending three days in LA, we didn't go to any of the sites that most people would go when they think about visiting LA. And yet we still got the LA experience driving around between all these probably eight to 10 different sites. We saw all the neighborhoods of LA. We experienced the traffic in LA. We drove past a lot of famous things like the La Brea Tar Pits and the LA Philharmonic and Universal Studios. We drove past all of these things on our way to like Johnny's Cafe or, you know, to some random mini golf site. So I feel like we had the LA experience, even though we weren't going to all of the tourist filled, really popular destinations. Well, I think it's actually kind of interesting to think about You know, we were lucky enough to get to talk to the writer-directors at the very, very beginning of our two days. It's kind of cool to think that maybe one day something you do that you think is no big deal has a pretty big influence in some way on somebody else and you just don't know it. Yeah, that's true. So I I, I should establish that. And by the way, if you think our voices all sound very much the same, I'm Katie. Sarah. I'm Dana. Yeah. Uh, Like you mentioned, we did start this. um, One of the great things about having a producer in the family is that... All of us actually contributed something in this. Dana planned where their locations were, but she also bought us T-shirts that are very distinctly of the movie. It, it basically says, Leon's Great All-Nighter, established in 1980, which if you've seen Midnight Madness, you understand, and which you, if you haven't, you don't. Um, Hashtag, if you know, you know. Right, and then Sarah bought us all sweatshirts that are yellow, and that's because the teams are different colors, and should I give it away? This movie's 40 years old. We may or may not be on the winning team. Right, right. We may or may not be on the winning team. And then I had not contributed anything to this with the exception of that I would come. And so, like Sarah mentioned, I was trying to figure out who we could talk to. Could I find one of the actors? Could I find anybody who was involved in this and managed to contact uh, the writer and directing team, Michael Nankin and David Wetcher? I contacted David first and David agreed to talk to us and decided to also rope in his partner, Michael Nankin, and then they surprised us with one of the actors, Alan Solomon, who plays the part of Leon. And Leon. Leon. Yeah, and Leon is the game master. He's the one that puts this whole scavenger hunt together. So we started out, we landed in LA, and the very first night we were here, we jumped on Zoom with them and got to pick their brains about not only the whole process of making the movie, but about the the scavenger hunt we were about to go on. And I do believe, actually, that they said that they were the t- the scouts, like they picked the locations. I think they were like 22 or something. This is their first major movie. So it's you're probably right. They probably were the scouts. 
thinking it was no big deal. They did say that we were their interior fan base. So <laughs> they know at least they affected three lives, but we also know that's not true. Yes, it's a, it was a popular, it's a, it's a cult classic. In fact, it was Disney's first PG movie, they said. Yes, and Michael J. Fox's first movie as an actor, and Pee Wee Herman establishing him as, himself as a character. But going back to your original thought, which is how cool is it that you can create something that will affect what other people do later on in their lives? And I have always thought about that in radio. In fact, when I used to be on NPR all the time, I would always say that what is the goal? The goal is to just slightly tweak the way one person thinks about something. And I think that that sometimes is the only way that you can do it. And sometimes those things get larger than life, like us being on this quest. Well, I do think it was cool that we got to tell them that too, you know, because I think you never really ever get to find out if you did impact someone unless somebody tells you. Like I remember when I first years ago when I was a teacher, when I became a teacher, I decided to actually let my favorite teachers know that they had impacted me in such a way. And I just remembered their reactions. And then even on that Zoom call the other night, their reaction that it was cool that we were here and we were doing this thing because of something they created. I think it's important to let people know when something impacts you because you just never know. I agree with all of that. And I also think in terms of thinking about the bittersweet life and people who listen to this podcast and are planning their next trip somewhere, I was surprised that I was having an LA experience even though I wasn't going to any of the major LA destinations. We didn't have to wait in any big lines. We didn't have to pay any big fees. And we were able to really go to the places that meant something to us personally and still experience the LA tourist experience, which was great. So maybe some of your listeners will do the same in other cities, you know, that they're interested in or that they have a tie to. Well, actually, what's interesting is that it's almost like we lived more of the LA actual experience. What would it be like to live here? Like for instance, when we went to the Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer Factory, which is no longer that, it is now converted into artist lofts and we got to wander around the grounds. And really, I mean, what you're seeing are, what are the lives of the people who live in these artist lofts like? And, and this is something that we've talked about, we've touched on a little bit when I first got to Rome and I was trying to figure out how to orient myself the very first thing that I finally latched onto was Raphael, the painter, and realizing I don't know anything about him as a person. Uh, I ran into his grave, which is in the Pantheon. And then after that, I decided that I was going to just try to learn everything about how he learned what he learned. How did he become the painter he was? And so then you're like, well, who trained him? Oh, well, that was Pentaricchio. So then you go try to see everything Pentaricchio did. And then you're like, I can see it in him. Getting to talk to the directors, I think also, to see like what were they thinking when they made this movie it just makes it the richer experience yeah I mean I totally agree what's interesting is every time we we do this every year the first week of January and it's like we know it's coming we're looking forward to it and we don't really need to actually pick something specific because we just enjoy hanging out with each other for two days but it is nice to have a plan because otherwise we would get here and we'd just be like, what should we do? And then there's this, I mean, we couldn't even decide what to order for dinner tonight together, really. There's so much discussion and this gave us like a, a very clear itinerary, which I think we could all rally around, which kind of made the trip extra exciting. Mm -hmm. It's also just fun that the movie was about a scavenger hunt and we're on a scavenger hunt to find these places. And when you're thinking back to 35 years ago watching this movie, you're also reflecting on 
why has this movie meant something to you 35 years later? And it's usually because you were watching, watching it with your sisters or you were watching it with your cousins or it was just funny or some of the jokes. And so as we've been on social media talking with our cousins, everyone's kind of putting out these four or five or six famous lines from the movie. You know, everyone's just typing them and, or when you see a particular location, it triggers some memory that you have and it's just very nostalgic and it's very, it connects you to family and to memories and I don't know, it's just a very nice way to plan a vacation when you're with the people that you used to watch the movie with. Going back to that concept about seeing a place differently, like you mentioned, Dana, I mean, another thing that was interesting in talking to the writer-director team of this was that they gave us some insights on places to go that we wouldn't have known. And because of that, one of the places was the interior of a restaurant that they had shot in. Now, we didn't know, uh, we knew what the exterior shot was, but we did not know where they had shot it in the interior. So we ended up having lunch where they did the interior filming. And what was so great about that, though, was that David, one of the directors, had also said, while you're there, say hi to Harold. You know, it was his father that let us film there. And so when you're there, we were asked for Harold and Harold came out and he ended up telling us a bunch of stories and not only telling us stories, but describing other people who were in the restaurant with us at the time. And it's just such a different way of experiencing a city. Like if I was just a tourist here and I was going to the La Brea Tar Pits with my sisters, I would not talk to anybody who actually lived in LA, let alone hear the stories of two old producers who are sitting in the booth next to us. So that's another thing that's pretty special. There's also sort of a, a small risk, though, because um, the diner was awesome on the inside, and I'm so glad we found it. There's also, like, in my head, certain some of the places we went to were going to look different, and not, like, the actual inside, but, like, where I placed them in their setting, like, in the street or the city, was not as romantic as I thought it was going to be. It's not like it ruined the movie or something. Probably good to get it right. But then I kind of lost the nostalgic way that I put things together. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Unlike Dances with Wolves, like, it literally looked, everything looked exactly, you know, the planes and the planes. So it's yeah. not like... <laughs> well, and you did that trip so much closer to when the actual movie yeah, was made. But I, yeah, it takes it out of the nostalgic and puts it in the actual, like in the concrete. Well, and, and now we know it would have been very hard to finish that scavenger hunt with all this traffic. <laughs> However, they were doing it at two or three o'clock in the morning, which would have been a lot less traffic. Another thing that I was also thinking about in doing all this is that we live in this very modern connected world now, even a world that, you know, a world wildly different from when this movie was made. And we like i said you know we talked to the writing directing team and i think one thing that we never think is to reach out to the people who made something uh like sarah was sort of saying and it's actually on a much more micro level too you don't really need to lose touch with anybody anymore well that is true when i got married in mexico we my entire family my stepkids my husband were obsessed with the bachelor in paradise show And my husband's kind of wedding gift to me was that he had reached out to Jorge, the bartender, and he showed up at our wedding and stayed for the wedding dinner. (laughs) So we reached out to him on Twitter. So it's true. You actually can reach people more than you think you can now. Yeah, and Jorge actually appeared on this show. (laughs) Look for the episode titled Jorge. It's a great episode, actually. 
Uh, I mean, I had that same experience where I grew up in the theater and the very first play I ever did as a kid was The King and I. And the king, the guy who played the king, had been monumental in my developing life because he was so kind to me, but also he was such a great actor. And I did find him before the internet, but I wrote him a letter and said, you know, here's what you meant in my life. And then years later with the internet, we connected over Facebook and I got to hang out with him, not only once, for an entire day <laughs> one time where and he drove me around and he took me to the house he grew up in and he showed me all his favorite sites and i remember sitting in the back of his convertible which he had a convertible in the back of his convertible while he was driving me out to see the biggest walleye on the side of the road that you could see and i just thought i am so lucky <laughs> this is so cool that we're all hanging out together and now i'm an adult and he's an adult and wow i can't even believe we've come this far so i love that kind of thing and it's not it's always worth giving it a try like i didn't know we were going to get to talk to the writer and directors and made it so much better it did and then i think just in general life is kind of an adventure to begin with and when you can spend it with the people that you grew up with and you just find the places that kind of mark some moment in your life this movie that's just for some reason really really likable and then you find all the different places and you spend time with the people who love the movie as much as you do and you go and find the things I don't know it just just makes a fun vacation I think about the stuff that either I've written or created or something like it would mean a lot to me if somebody reached out and said that changed my life but yet I would always hesitate to reach out and tell somebody that because I'd be like oh well they're not going to talk to me like who am I compared to them I look up to them so I think it's kind of a good lesson of, of course, they probably want to hear. I mean, these, these writer-directors, they wanted to know. They thought it was really great that their, something they created in their 20s was this impactful on our life. I don't know. It makes me think I should do it more often. There's a lot of people who have impacted me, and, and why not let them know? I would want to know. And to be fair, these are men that went on to create much greater things. So it's not like this was the only the movie that they ever made. They are still working directors and producers. So this is a long career. This is the beginning of their long career in Hollywood. Yeah, an actor too, as far as Alan is concerned. It just might be fun when you're planning your next trip somewhere, either domestically or abroad, to think about planning the kind of excursion that might hearken some nostalgia for you instead of all the you know top 10 places to see while you're there because you might just find little nuggets of gold that actually speak more to the essence of that location than what you might see when you're a tourist. Well, I would also say, I don't know, create. Like, why not? You never know when you're going to touch. Like, they on the Zoom call told us, we probably know the movie better than they do because they actually, like you said, went on to do greater things. So it's not like they didn't remember anything, but it's, I don't know if it's like their top favorite achievement in their career. And so you just never know if what you create is gonna touch people. So why not just do it? And then if somebody's created something that touched you, why not let them know? Those would be my two thoughts. We also learned in talking with the writer directors that so much, so many of their family members were involved, which kind of makes it more special as as we as a family explore the locations of the movie one of the directors had a father that did all the music and they had a neighborhood friend that they had grown up with whose dad was the owner of the delicatessen and then that kid was there to watch the filming that night and you just get to hear all these stories of how real people with real families 
with creative ideas, create something. And then 40 years later, it impacts another family and all of their memories and nostalgia. So it's just kind of a fun thing to consider how small the world is and how everyone is really seeking interpersonal relationships and uh, fun with each other. I love that. Well, and if you've ever gone on a quest on one of your trips, I would love to hear about it. So with Tiffany, I am sure, send us an email, bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for the Bittersweet Life Podcast. Donate now. (laughs) Thank you, Dana. (laughs) Yes, your donations are the number one reason this show is still going. So if you've never donated, please consider it. You can find links in the show notes or visit thebittersweetlife.net. And if you don't, you won't hear about Sister Fest 2023. It's always a possibility. I'm always right next to the plug. No, <laughs> just ready to pull it. Um, and I want—I do want to thank David Wetcher and Michael Nankin and Alan Solomon for joining us on that Zoom call. I may include some of what we talked about on this very show if I get permission from them because it's a great conversation about creativity and how things come to be. And uh, thank you to my sister, Sarah. Oh, you're very welcome anytime. And my sister, Dana. Bye. Thanks for coming to LA with me. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Dana Zeller. And I'm Sarah Call. Talk to you soon. Bye. You could sponsor this show and reach educated, curious, and compassionate listeners all over the world. Our listeners are a remarkable, diverse, and engaged group of people that I am so continually impressed by. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and click support to get the conversation started. <laughs>